What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Maddie Pace coming at you live from the Maddie Mo Show, the host, the most mojo, kicking off episode 461, ladies and gentlemen. That's right, episode 461, and we're about to have a little Sunye fun. But if this is, however, your first time tuning into the Maddie Mo Show, thank you for lending me your ears and attention. Second off, hop into the iTunes podcast section where you can subscribe to the Maddie Mo Show and have every episode up there for free listening download. No. You can also be sure to hop on to MaddieMoShow.com where we got it going on with the latest and greatest for your day. Daily Entertainment. You can get to all my shows from up there. The link to my YouTube channel, Facebook, IG, Twitter, Spotify, you name it. It's up there. So go show the site some love and make sure you subscribe and become a member all for free 99, baby. You can also catch me live on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, where you can also rate and review the show. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Google Play Music, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Breaker, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, YouTube, The Maddie Mo Show, IG and Twitter at Maddie underscore Pace and Facebook at Maddie's Motivation if you need a little kick in the pants, some inspiration, ladies and gentlemen. But without any further ado, it is my distinct honor and pleasure to deliver straight to you episode 461, ladies and gentlemen. And it just so happens to land on none other than Sunye Inspirations. Now, I hope you are ready for a beautiful Sunye episode, baby. And welcome to this week's edition of Sunye Inspirations. And as always, I have some dope, positive, inspiring, impacting, and empowering news stories that you will not hear anywhere else. Oh, and by the way, happy Easter to all my people out there celebrating Easter today. I hope you have had a phenomenal day with some family, friends, and some good eats. But back to this, all the stories for tonight's Epicast are brought to you by goodnewsnetwork.org. So be sure to go on and check them out as well. And the music for tonight's episode is brought to you by the Fantastic Music Channel on YouTube. So go up there, throw them a subscription. Once again, that is Fantastic Music Channel. They are absolutely incredible with all their dope mixes. So go on and check them out. But without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump into the first story of the night now, shall we? Now this first story that I'll be sharing with you this evening is pretty interesting. For one, I'm a big fan of the medical finds that this world has to offer to help people who are suffering or struggling with a lot of different diseases. And two, I never knew that ecstasy could be used to improve an illness. You know what I'm saying? I legit thought it was for people who love to go clubbing and for music festivals and things like that. But boy, was I wrong. So enjoy the first story of the night, which is entitled... New MDMA study from Johns Hopkins further explains why ecstasy can help treat PTSD, published by the Good News Network on April 19, 2019. A group of Johns Hopkins neuroscientists have found that the psychoactive drug MDMA or ecstasy causes a neural response called a critical period when the brain is sensitive to learning the reward value of social behaviors. The findings reported earlier this month in Nature may explain why MDMA may be helpful in treating people with post-traumatic stress disorder, otherwise known as PTSD. Critical periods were first described by scientists studying snow in the 1930s. About 24 hours after a gosling hatches, researchers observed if the mother goose is nowhere to be found, the hatchling will bond with an object, including non-living ones. Yet, if the mother goose disappears after the critical period ends, about 48 hours later, the hatchling won't bond to an object. Since the snow goose study, studies have shown evidence that critical periods smooth the way for the development of language, touch, and vision. 
For the MDMA study, scientists at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine wanted to determine whether a critical period exists for learning the rewards associated with social behaviors, and if so, whether the drug could reopen the critical period. Neuroscientist Gould Dolan and her team studied groups of mice in enclosures with different bedding. They put several mice together in one enclosure with one type of bedding for 24 hours, and in the next 24 hours, put the same mice by themselves in another enclosure with a different type of bedding. The mice began to associate certain types of bedding with isolation or companionship. Then, they let the mice wander between enclosures with the two types of bedding and tracked how long the mice spent in each enclosure. The more time the mice spent in the bedding linked to their companions indicated more social reward learning. It's why people gather around the water cooler, says Dolan, assistant professor of neuroscience at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. People are conditioned to know that the water cooler is an optimal place to chit-chat with companions. In their experiments, Dolan and her colleagues found that the critical period for social reward learning in mice occurs around puberty and wanes once they become mature adults. To determine if they could reopen the critical period, the scientists gave MDMA to mature mice, waited 48 hours for the drug to be washed out of their system, and observed how the mice explored their enclosure and behaved with other mice in the enclosure. Following the treatment with MDMA, most of the animals responded to social interactions the same way as juveniles by forming a positive association between social interactions and the bedding. This effect lasted for at least two weeks after the MDMA treatment, and it was not observed in mice given saline injections. This suggests that we've reopened a critical period in mice, giving them the ability to learn social reward behaviors at a time when they are less inclined to engage in these behaviors, Dolan says. Dolan and her postdoctoral student and first author of the current study, Romain Nardot, also observed that MDMA works to reopen the critical period only if the drug is given to mice when they are with other mice, not if it is given to mice while they are alone. This suggests that reopening the critical period using MDMA may depend on whether the animals are in a social setting, say the scientists. The mice maintain their ability to learn the rewards of social behavior for up to two weeks from the time they were given MDMA. During this time, Dolan and her colleagues also found that the brains of the mice had corresponding responses to oxytocin, known as the love hormone which is made in the hypothalamus and acts in the brain as a signal between neurons that encode information about social rewards. They found these responses by looking more closely at synapses, the spaces between brain cells called neurons. Their experiments showed that in mature mice given MDMA, oxytocin triggers signaling in the synapses that encodes learning and memory, which does not typically happen in mature mice. Dolan says that the opening the critical window for social reward behavior may also have implications for treating psychiatric conditions. A strong bond between a psychotherapist and patient is well known to be important for successful treatment. If MDMA reopens the critical period for social reward learning in humans in the same way it does for mice, then it could explain why the drug has been successful in treating people with PTSD, perhaps by strengthening the psychotherapist-patient bond. MDMA has been designated 
by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration as a breakthrough therapy for PTSD, meaning that the agency will fast-track the development and review of clinical trials to test it. However, the researchers caution that MDMA may not work for every psychiatric condition linked to social behaviors. As we develop new therapies or determine when to give these therapies, Dolan says, it's critical to know the biological mechanism on which they act. Now, how cool is that? You know what I'm saying? It's crazy how you can think one way about a certain thing or drug, in this case, like MDMA, and have your world turn upside down on how it can help certain people. You know what I'm saying? Not just people who love music festivals and clubbing for days, you know? And now for our second story of the evening. For everyone that has been through or has had a friend or family member suffer through cancer, this next story will give you a different way to fight without having to go through the strenuous chemo and drugs that will lower your immune system as well as make you feel absolutely awful. So enjoy this next article entitled, Proton Therapy is Non-Invasive Treatment for High-Risk Cancers in Use Today with Excellent Success Rate. This story was published by the Good News Network on April 17th. 2019. This exciting new study shows that proton therapy is a stunningly effective non-invasive treatment against high-risk childhood cancers, and it comes with minimal side effects. Unlike traditional proton radiation using x-rays, proton radiation therapy, PRT, is a non-invasive, precise cancer treatment that uses a beam of protons moving at a very high speed to destroy the DNA of cancer cells, killing them and preventing them from multiplying. Highly targeted PRT has significant promise for treating tumors in very young children and may reduce radiation exposure to healthy, developing tissue that may result in lifelong impacts. Researchers from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and the Perelman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania analyzed the largest cohort to date of pediatric patients with high-risk neuroblastoma who were treated with proton radiation therapy. Not only did they find that proton therapy was effective at reducing tumors, they also found that it demonstrated minimal toxicity to surrounding organs. These, this data are extremely encouraging and could be a game changer for a number of reasons, said lead author Christine Hill Kaiser, chief of the Pediatric Radiation Oncology Service at Penn Medicine. Not only did we observe excellent outcomes in minimal side effects that validate the use of PRT in high-risk neuroblastoma patients, we answered a lingering question about proton therapy. The concern that because it is so targeted, tumors may come back. Tumors mostly did not come back, suggesting PRT is effective, less toxic, and a superior choice for our young patients who must endure intense treatment modalities in an effort to cure this high-risk cancer. Neuroblastoma is the most common cancer in infants, accounting for more than 10% of all childhood cancer deaths. Primary neuroblastoma tumors are commonly adrenal tumors, which are very close to the kidney, liver, pancreas, and bowel in children, making them hard to treat without harming vital organs in tiny bodies. Treatment usually involves a combination of therapies including chemotherapy, radiation, and surgery. Typically, the five-year survival rate of high-risk neuroblastoma patients is as low as 40%. Researchers from CHOP studied 45 patients with high-risk neuroblastoma who received PRT at both of their institutions between 2010 and 2000 
2015. Five years after treatment, the longest recorded period of study in the largest cohort of patients to date, researchers observed excellent outcomes with 82% of patients still alive and 97% free of a primary site tumor reoccurrence. Toxicities or side effects are measured on a scale from 1 to 5, with 5 being the most severe. No patient observed in the study experienced grade 3 or 4 long-term acute liver or kidney toxicity, with the majority of patients experiencing grade 1 side effects from PRT. We've showed PRT is not only effective in the treatment of high-risk neuroblastoma, but it has also spared damage to the developing liver, kidneys, and bowel that may occur in pediatric patients exposed to traditional radiation, said Hill Kaiser. While we look forward to longer-range data on these patients 10 years down the road, the excellent outcomes we see here, coupled with the fact the precision proton approach did not increase recurrence rates, support the expanded use of proton therapy in neuroblastoma and other high-risk childhood cancers. Furthermore, a study of 125 pediatric patients that was conducted at Northwestern University in November found that proton therapy was associated with improved cognitive function and an increase of roughly 10 IQ points in contrast to traditional radiation. Additional studies have also claimed that proton therapy is less costly than alternative radiation methods. A child's brain is more sensitive to radiation. The radiation can disrupt connections being formed in the white matter and prevent the brain from developing normally, said lead author Jeffrey Paul Gross, Northwestern University Radiation Oncology resident. If we are able to spare healthy portions of the brain from radiation, there is a potential for improved long-term cognitive outcomes. PRT used against prostate cancer in adults has also resulted in a five-year survival rate of 93.25%. With more and more proton therapy clinics opening up across the U.S., CHOP researchers say that they will be conducting further studies on the efficiency of the treatments against other cancers, ladies and gentlemen. So that right there is huge, especially in the youth that suffer from cancer. I mean, it's tough enough to see your children go through such, you know, any disease, but cancer, like neuroblastoma, I mean, God, that is terrible, and it is so good to see that these proton therapy-based uh, studies are being executed, and hopefully they will begin to grow and get a lot more limelight, making it easily and more obtainable, not only for children, but for adults in hopes that it can help better their battling cancers as well. Now, that was a phenomenal article, and I am just simply amazed that these people could find a breakthrough to help battle this terrible disease in a much better way. But on to our next and final story of the evening. This next one is a fun one, and it's pretty short, and for those that don't know me, I love to smile all day, every day. I mean, that is a fact, Jack. I was told last week by an individual that I have worked with for a number of years, they told me that even on his toughest day, when he sees me coming up the hall with a smile on my face and a cheerful tone, it improves his mood tremendously, as it does for a lot of other people that are around me. I felt moved by this man's statement towards me, and I'm excited for this next article entitled... Over 50 years of research say that smiling really can make people happier. Published by Good News Network on April 16, 2019. 
This new study says that smiling really can make people feel happier even if they're feeling stressed. The paper, which was co-authored by Heather Lynch at Texas A&M University and researchers at the University of Tennessee, looked at nearly 50 years of data testing whether opposing facial expressions can lead people to feel the emotions related to those expressions. These findings address a critical question about the links between our internal experience and our bodies, whether changing our facial expression can alter the emotions we feel and our emotional response to the world, Lynch said. Conventional wisdom tells us that we can feel a little happier if we simply smile, or that we can get ourselves in a more serious mood if we scowl, but psychologists have actually disagreed about this idea for over 100 years, said Nicholas Coles, the lead author of the paper. These disagreements became more pronounced in 2016 when 17 teams of researchers failed to replicate a well-known experiment demonstrating that the physical act of smiling can make people feel happier. This new paper for Psychological Bulletin, however, describes how the team used a, a statistical technique called meta-analysis to combine data from 138 studies testing over 11,000 participants from all around the world. According to the meta-analysis, posing facial expressions has a small impact on our feelings. For example, smiling makes people feel happier, scowling makes them feel angrier, and frowning makes them feel more sad. We don't think that people can smile their way to happiness, but these findings are exciting because they provide a clue about how the mind and the body interact to shape our conscious experience of emotion, said Coles. We still have a lot to learn about these facial feedback effects, but this meta-analysis put us a little closer to understanding how emotions work. Now that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the icing on your cake for this week's Sunday Inspirations, and I hope these stories have had a great impact on you, made you curious to do some research of your own, and of course, happier. As I said before, feel free to check out all these stories and more at goodnewsnetwork.org, and don't forget to share. But before I officially close out this week's show, it is time for the quote of the day published on the Good News Network's page, and it is... To believe in the story of Easter is to believe that a wall is nothing more than a door in disguise. And that was by Craig D. Lounsbrug. And now it is time for the final thought, ladies and gentlemen. So stick around with me because that's coming at you live in three, two, one. Let's get it. You may lose your car keys. You may lose your shopping list, but never lose your hope. Some say that hope is a beggar. But I disagree heavily in some respect. Hope can help power us through in our action and faith will help us execute through the unknown and actions we are taking to help better our lives or the ones around us. As I said in the quote of the day in tonight's episode, you can look at a wall as nothing more than a door in disguise. An extremely powerful statement that shows us if we change our perception and put the proper action behind it, we can remove what looks like a wall and open the door to new possibilities and success. Life is full of chance and opportunity, but it is up to you to capitalize on what this life has to offer. Never give up. 
for that is the only way you won't get what you desire in this life. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in to episode 461, this week's nice little edition of Sunday Inspirations. Make sure you check back in bright and early with me tomorrow at 6 a.m., where I will have the Monier pump up to wake your rump up to set the bar high for the day and the tone for the week, ladies and gentlemen. But as for tonight, this is Maddie Pace coming at you live from the Maddie Mo Show saying one life, one love. I'm out.